1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous
0: stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage
1: to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best.
0: And because we wanna bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a great episode for you with Dr. JB, which we will get to in a second, but first we're going to share what's new with us, some weekly updates. And today we're going to share all about the content we've been consuming. Um, Ali, you were just telling me about something and I made you stop so we could record it on the intro. So what did you watch that you were just telling me that you need to tell all of us about.
1: Yes. I watched, um, the, Oh no, it's called my octopus teacher and it's a Netflix documentary and it's about this, um, South African, uh, doc. He, he was like a director of photography or he was a, a documentarian, but he's a camera guy. So he's, um, was in sort of like to paraphrase kind of like his experience. He was feeling a lot of burnout from his career and his life and that kind of thing. And he um, lives in the, on the Cape of South Africa and decided to start swimming in the ocean there every single day and without a wetsuit and do like free diving too, no tank or anything like that. And he really got to know the Marine life in his area and he basically befriends an octopus and he goes every single day and the footage is amazing. I, you know, the, that he was able to get all this footage and he kind of sparked his love of his skill and craft again of filmmaking and, um, and it's like this whole process of relationship building of the octopus's intelligence. It's wild. And ultimately, like actually a bond that the two of them
0: have. I I'm um,
1: love this. I'm yeah. so in. It's beautiful. I cried. And wow. it's about this year that he spends with his octopus. And he goes for
0: like 300 and something days in a row. I I am going to watch this. I love allinosis. I am obsessed with marine life, specifically sea lions and seals. I found, I discovered on TikTok during the pandemic. It's an account called Ocean Connections and there was a um rescue harbor seal named Mango who stole my heart. I'm not even going to talk about it because it's 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 just a lot. Like Mango brought me unreal joy. She led me to really love sea life and Marine life specifically. So I'm in the long way of saying I'm in, I want to watch this octopus journey. I love documentaries. I'm sold and I'm so in. So thank you for enlightening us. and <laughs> Yeah, sharing
1: us. it was really moving. I have to say, and it's been, I think it's been around for a couple of years because I've had a few people recommend it to me, but I just had never watched it. And, um, yeah,
0: I cried over an octopus last night. So oh, I, I will be. That will be me this weekend. I'm gonna add it to my watch list. And I know we both just watched another documentary, which which has been out for a while as well, the fantastic fungi fungi yes. documentary, um, which was so amazing. I mean, mushrooms are the most fascinating. Plants, yeah. can we even? Yeah, they, they yeah they're it. their
1: own thing. They're not even, right? They're not even plants, which I didn't know. They're like the mycelium,
0: mycelium kingdom is like this whole, you know, intelligent. It, and it could world. be, right? Like mushrooms can be the key to saving the environment and saving us all. And I know they're so important for our immune system, among so many other things. So, another documentary, um, I really recommend. I just, I loved yeah. it. And it's been on my watch list for a while. And um, yeah. And then sharp left. <laughs> Aside from like documentaries, um, we've also been like dabbling into the Christmas movies, like the new ones. We watched Love Hard. We both watched Love Hard, which I don't know. It's not. It wasn't my favorite, but I would. It's cute enough to watch it, right? Like it's a. It's cute enough. <laughs> I, I think it's cute enough. You like Heather McMahon, who's who's very
1: funny and she's a side she's like the sidekick friend. See, these movies are so formulaic, which is fine. like I have no problem with that um, because it's like you know what you're gonna get. But I don't know. I feel like I've seen better cheesy Christmas movies.
0: Well, speaking of better cheesy movies, the Princess Switch, Series also on Netflix. Netflix Christmas movies are kind of like bigger budget Hallmark Christmas movies. Like they have more like top tier talent, right? Like the The top tier talent. The Princess Switch series follows like Vanessa Hudgens as the Princess. Oh, I didn't know she was in that. I haven't seen any of this. So this is the third in the trilogy, and it's kind of an opus, to be honest. Like it's (laughs) so long. I um I watched it with my parents the other night, and we only got like halfway through. Like, I think it's like a two-hour movie, which is kind of long for yeah, for for a Christmas, yeah, like, like formulaic love, love hard was like the perfect. I feel like 90, like 90 minutes is, uh, you know, 75 to 90 minutes is the perfect hallmark. <laughs> hallmark Lang movie. Um, but I liked it. I actually, I didn't, I loved the first princess switch. I didn't even finish the second one. Like, I think I got busy that season and didn't finish it, but I just picked up on the third one. Cause my mom loves them too. And she had seen the first two. So, um, the third one I was really enjoying and I definitely am going to finish the other half. So, um, it's the season alley. We're officially in Christmas season. It's Christmas time and Hanukkah time. It's actually Hanukkah this week. So happy Hanukkah to yes. our lovely Jewish listeners. Um, I will be celebrating Hanukkah, uh, this week as well. It's just the holiday season. I love it so much. We're listening to Christmas music. We have, the fire on. It's, it's just wonderful. Even when it's warm outside, the fire is on. I'm so <laughs> hilarious, but, um, yeah. you know, we
1: I- always call you Erica. We always call you buddy, the elf every year. Cause no one loves a holiday. doesn't matter what holiday more than you. So I was just thinking, I was thinking that cause, because you're you're kind of an equal opportunist with holidays. Although you do have a special affinity for Christmas as a, as a Jewish Buddhist, you do love your Christmas, but um, I feel like we should call
0: you the holiday armadillo. Oh my God. I (laughs) am the holiday armadillo. It's it's true. Um, If anyone doesn't understand that reference, like, please go watch friends immediately. Um, You know, as problematic as it now is like in the post, I can't believe we've talked about this off-camera and private conversations and with friends, but it's like, gosh, the content in the nineties would never fly today, but I love friends so much, right? Like even friends, like, Oh, friends, especially
1: friends. It's horrifying when you, I mean, I, I can watch it and laugh and stuff, but it's like horrifying what was like allowed or I deemed know, just to like funny in the a 90s. decade
0: or two. Even like if you watch old episodes of Entourage, which was a decade ago. Yeah. Um, it's just unbelievable. But we digress. We could go off on a million tangents about this, but still, I love, like, I can notice the problematic nature of some old friends episodes, but still, I still love it. And it's comfort TV for me. And so if you don't understand the holiday armadillo reference, like please run to the friends, um, holiday episodes, they're so good, but, um, should we get to the episode Allie? Are we ready to introduce? Yes.
1: Absolutely. It's a great episode. Let's, so let's get to it.
0: So today on the podcast, we have a wonderful and informative conversation with Dr. JB, a board certified emergency medicine physician. As a frontline worker, she has collaborated with a wide variety of dedicated healthcare professionals daily and has borne witness to some of the most heartwarming and heartbreaking experiences in life. In the emergency department, she works to be your advocate and has created a YouTube channel to help families navigate the emergency room experience. To help them with fears, set expectations, and more.
1: Dr. JB is also a mental wellness advocate who works to tackle the stigma associated with mental wellness in healthcare professionals that prevents them from seeking and receiving the care that they need. This led her to create Hope for Med with Dr. JB, a podcast created to shift the paradigm in medicine and to make addressing the mental wellness needs of healthcare workers a core value. On this podcast, Dr. JB delves deep into sensitive topics that are often not addressed, such as burnout, the second victim syndrome, grief and bereavement, and among others. We had a wonderful conversation today about emergency medicine, mental health, and Dr. JB's own journey. So we really hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did. This episode is brought to you by NED. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust, is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products and their extraction process all right there on their website. How's that for knowing exactly
0: where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with my anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. But today we want to talk about Ned's brand new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. We recently got our hands on a sample and could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health, and cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you want to try the new De-Stress Blend from Ned, a brand that we love and trust,
1: we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Every order over $40 qualifies for 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash CW podcast or enter CW podcast at checkout to take advantage of this offer. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off plus a free de-stress
0: blend sample on any order over $40. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our program and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health
1: yes in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us, and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to Seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off, or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram.
0: So welcome, Dr. J.B. We are very excited to have you on the podcast today and talk about your journey. So to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how it led to your YouTube channel and podcast and the work that you do?
2: Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me as a guest on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Um, So yeah, so my name is Dr. JB. I am a board certified emergency medicine physician. I am working currently in Florida, Um, but I trained in North Carolina, then went to New York, and then finally made my way back to Florida. I was raised in Florida. um, So it's essentially me coming back home close to family. Um, So, you know, emergency medicine, is, is a very interesting field. It's exciting, right? Because there's always something happening in the emergency department. You never know what's gonna come through those doors. But ever since I was in residency, you know, one of the things I would find myself thinking would be, is this really my life? right? I would, um, you know, step outside of a patient's room who um, maybe came in, they had a heart attack, right? And we went through the process of trying to resuscitate them. And, you know, sometimes we're successful, but oftentimes we were not. And I would step out of that room and then immediately I would be bombarded with questions, right? You know, this patient needs pain medicine, if not the patient come up to me directly, you know, then the, the, the nurse or the staff would be, you know, what about discharging this patient, you know, doing this for this person? Oh, these people need to be seen and they're in the waiting room and whatnot. And I would be like, I literally just spent, you know, all this time trying to resuscitate this person. And the first thing I get when I step out of the room is just a bunch of questions, no time or ability to process anything. Right. And that's the nature of the emergency department, right? Because there are, your waiting room is full. Maybe there's 30 people in the waiting room, you know, waiting to be seen, getting restless out there, right? Because everybody comes in with their emergency. I'm taking care of patients in the worst day of their lives. And so, you know, that was something that was happening long before COVID, right? This is just the day to day, everyday experiences of an emergency medicine physician. So, You know, life goes on, COVID happens, right? Like 18 plus months into this pandemic. And I, about almost a year ago now, I found myself really just looking around at my colleagues and we were tired. We were tired a a year ago, right? In the beginning, we, you know, we came in, you know, yeah, we can take this, we can tackle this, you know, hurrah, you know, we'll, we'll, um, you know, do what needs to be done to take care of these patients, right? That was our, that was our mentality going into war. We're going to do it. Right. Um, and I, I remember one of my friends asking me before, like around the time COVID was starting to pick up, asking if I was going to continue working in the emergency room. Um, because I am, I'm a mother of two young children. I'm a wife. Right. And, it's an invisible enemy that we're fighting. I don't know who has it, who doesn't have it, right? We're, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves going into patient's room who came in with an ankle sprain. And, you know, so we'd walk in and think, oh, it's so ankle sprain, this isn't COVID. Like, you know, I don't have to gown up or whatever and see this patient. And then they said, oh yeah, by the way, I developed fever yesterday, and have been coughing. And, you know, one of my uh, family members, you know, has been having similar symptoms. And you're stuck in that room, not protected, right? Because you thought it was just an ankle sprain. And so, you know, knowing that reality, my friend was like, are you going to work? And, you know, without batting an eye, I said, yes, I am. I'm an emergency medicine physician. This is what I was trained to do, right? We never know what's going to walk through those doors, but we need to be prepared to deal with anything. And so never for a second did I think, oh, no, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking this on, but it gets to you. Right. Um, and you know, your day to day gets to you, but then you have this added worry of, oh man, you know, I didn't know this patient was at risk for COVID. And then, you know, did I get exposed, um, you know, or other questions like, what about my family? What about my husband? What about my kids? You know, how do I prevent them from getting sick? Um, and you know, and just trying to you know come up with some kind of uh, routine or um, to to kind of like protect your family um, was definitely something that took a lot of thought and effort. And, and still to this day, you know, after, you know, like right now, the way it's set up in my household is there's no more greeting mommy when mommy comes home you know, my kids are young. They always want to run to me, not even the dog. Nobody comes to me, right? It's I get home. I change my clothes. I put them in the washing machine. I shower. And when I'm clean and dress, mommy's home. And then we hug and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, I just, thank you for sharing that. I think I'm actually, so, I'm so glad you know, we, we talk to many different physicians um, and, and people, not just physicians, but like medical people in the medical community or in the wellness space. But I'm so glad. I feel like it's really, really timely to have this conversation with um, with a doctor who is on the front lines, who, because I think prior to COVID and now this is a generalization, but I think it was easy for people who aren't in healthcare and aren't frontline workers to just, um, not even really think about the human experience that the caretakers, um, have like you described so well pandemic aside prior to this, just practicing emergency medicine, the stress of perhaps patient not making it after you just put like all this effort into trying to resuscitate someone and then going out and having to make a million decisions because you're being bombarded with another emergency after another emergency, right? That's why people come there. But the fact that these physicians, physicians like you are also People, human beings, with their own emotions and own um, experiences, and yes, I'm sure start, part of the training is learning how to handle kind of those high high-stake situations, but it doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that you're going to also have your own human um, need to process the work that you do from an emotional standpoint too. So I think maybe hopefully i'm not sure with covid for some folks at least it's been a little bit more eye opening the amount of work and the amount of um just exhaustion and pressure that a lot of our frontline medical uh professionals have had to deal with it's like opened a lot of people who aren't exposed to it typically it's opened their eyes to it a little bit more i hope um Now that we're like 18 months into this and we've seen so many medical professionals, like, you know, either contracting COVID, having emotional stuff, mental health stuff, like because of just the intensity of it all. Um, How do you, like, I guess my question is, how did you handle that? Prior, like, how did you handle the stress? How did you? How do you train for something like emergency medicine? That component of training, not like becoming a doctor and going to medical school, but how do you train yourself to handle that kind of stress? And then, how do you feel like it's changed, or has it changed at all since the pandemic has
2: started? Excellent questions. Two really excellent questions. So yes. Number one, how do you train yourself to, to take care of an emergency? Um, well, I guess a couple of things. One, there is an element where we kind of pull back emotionally from the situation. You have to. That's why we can't take care of our own family members, right? I can't take care of my child. I'm not going to be able to pull back emotionally and think objectively about, okay, what do I have to do? A, B, C, D, E, right? Um, When you're too close to a situation, you cannot, right? And so that's one of the, I guess, defense mechanisms that we utilize. In the moment, I need to do what I'm trained to do, right? I know the steps you know, if you can't breathe, I know what I need to do to put a breathing tube down. You know, I know what medicines I need. I know how to get IV access on you if I need to. Right. And just really just step back. Usually the doctor's at the, at the foot of the bed when you're in the attending and you're running everything. So you're, you're, you're keeping the big picture in mind and directing everybody like, okay, you know, their blood pressure is low. Give them this medicine, you know, do a pulse check. Do you feel a pulse? If not, you know, do X, Y, Z, right? But you have to be objective because if you are not, you're not going to be successful at all. Um, and so the issue is that once you step outside of that moment in time, what happens? Well, with the emergency department, if it's really busy, you don't have time to process it, right? Because, okay, so this Takes a you know backseat burner. Let me go deal with the other person's emergency. Um, and you can't take your the patient you just saw in room number one into room number two's room. You kind of have to leave that person outside the door, right? And their issues outside the door, so you can focus in on the second patient that you're taking care of, right? Because you need to give them your full attention so that you can think clearly to figure out what you need to do for that person. And that's how it goes for each patient that you see, because you'll be doing them an injustice if you're thinking about the other person and not focusing on what they're saying. You're not going to know what they're here for. You're not going to know what you're supposed to do. You know, and it's not, it's not fair to that patient. And so some of those things are are things that you learn through training, through doing, right? Because you, you have to be able to, you know, take care of numerous patients at the same time and keep in mind what they're here for and, you know, and, and whatnot, what's outstanding for this person whatnot. And so I guess, you know, one of the, um, I don't know if benefits is really the real, the right word I'm trying to use, but, you know, um, one of the results of being so busy is that you just don't have time to process it, which in some ways is a good thing, right? But so the question is, what happens on your drive home, and you know what happens when you're sleeping, or are you able to sleep? Um, you know, because these these thoughts they don't just these experiences just don't disappear they stay with you unless you actively release them, unless you have some kind of process that you go through to allow yourself to process to reflect. Um, because if you don't, then they just keep building and building and building. And then one day you, they're going to force you to reflect on them. And you're not going to have any control over when you decide that, Right? if you don't actively choose to do that. And so everybody's a little bit different, um, and everybody's, you know, um, path to processing their experience is a little bit different and, you know, when, and, and truth be told, some avenues are not necessarily the healthiest, right? And so we think about like drugs, you know, um, substance abuse is, 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 an issue amongst healthcare professionals, um. And, you know, mental health also is an issue which wasn't really talked about. So we, so jumping ahead to that second question that you asked in terms of the benefits of, of COVID, you know, one of the things about COVID, which really brought to the f- forefront of people's minds, um, not only are we human, because, you know, us being human was actually not something that was really pushed, right? What was pushed in the beginning? We were heroes, right? You know, and it was this huge push about, oh, the, the healthcare heroes and whatnot, but heroes, you know, don't get tired, you know, heroes don't die, right? You know, like, the, I mean, I guess some heroes could, but, you know, it's like heroes are superhuman. And so, you know, one of the things that I did with with my, my company, Hope for Men, which we'll talk about later, is really push forward what you talked about in terms of, no, we're human and really bringing that humanism back into medicine, right? Because here, you know, feeling like I have to be a hero, then I feel bad about feeling tired or drained or questioning if I could continue doing this, right? Because I'm a hero. I'm not supposed to have any of these feelings. I'm just supposed to keep on somehow rejuvenating, self-rejuvenating somehow, right? So um, so that was one of the benefits of, of COVID is really, you know, really bringing to the forefront that, wow, we experience so much in um, in our day-to-day that it's not a surprise to, you know, be affected by this, right? To be affected by our patients because we're human beings, right? And your story, every story actually does affect me. You know, even when I try to pull back so I can think objectively, I'm still being affected by your story. You know, I'm still hearing your cries when you're in pain and suffering, I hear it, I feel it, right? Um, And so, you know, when you are alone in the emergency department and you have no family there and you're scared, we feel it, we experience it, right? And, you know, there's so many patients we try to comfort and, you know, as as emergency medicine physicians and, and people in the forefront, a lot of us have not been around so much death mm-hmm. before, right? And it's hard enough to deal with one death per shift. What about numerous? Yeah. And then them dying by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they can talk to their family, sometimes not, sometimes it happens too quickly. And then having these conversations after the fact with their loved ones. These are all things that we experience on a day to day in the emergency department. Mm. And because we're human, we feel it and we're affected by it and our mental health is affected by it also.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's yeah, it's, it's like, there's no words, right? Like there are no words. And um, I'm so curious, you know, Ali and I, before we were just talking about how excited we were to have this conversation with you and talk to you. Um, we mentioned like everything you mentioned is so like harrowing, right. And as you mentioned, so many frontline workers and medical practitioners could go to substance abuse, suicide. There's so many things that happen, um, for them to process it and how you've processed is by creating, multiple avenues for other people to also heal, right? Like you, you're literally creating resources for others to deal with this trauma. So I, we were just like, wow, like who, how did you like, how did you do that? Right? Like, how did you as an individual deal with your own trauma in emergency medicine, your own trauma from the last 18 months to be able to create these resources for others? Like, I guess, how, how did you process it? How did you process, how have you processed everything you've personally experienced?
2: I think having, you know, avenues that you can fall back on to assist you in processing things, um, is really beneficial. And so, um, you know, for me, it's really just expressing it, um, through journaling, um, through releasing ceremonies where I just go outside and I just scream, you know, sometimes you just have to scream, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I remember, um, once before the pandemic, I had a pretty, um, I had a pretty, um, in, uh, impactful or memorable experience um, with the patient who died um, that I couldn't shake. It stayed with me. It stayed with me for days. And I ended up going to, and I wanted to scream. I just wanted to just let it out and just, yeah, just release, right? Release that energy that's pent up. And um, my husband and I went to a theme park and went on the scariest ride and it allowed me just to scream and feel so free and just let it out. And so, you know, whatever avenue it is for people, you know, if it's journaling, if it's exercising, if it's, you know, going to the amusement park and screaming or, or whatnot, you have to release, you have to let it go because you have to lighten the burden. And so, you know, with hope for med this company that i've created it creates a safe harbor for healthcare professionals to come to and release you know surrounded by other healthcare professionals where you don't have to explain yourself right because we've been there we've experienced you know similar things right we have you know similar backgrounds in terms of training and whatnot and you can just start from where you are yeah yeah that's wonderful. I mean, like you said, it's
1: it's like one of a, uh, you know, with such a difficult and difficult kind of a light word of the time for so many people and so much death in the last 18 months. It's like, and such sort of tragedy. Um, and continuing, but to create something like like you said, it's like a, a small benefit that has come out of this because at some point, you know things will continue to change and there will be new challenges, but to have now another sort of resource in the world as Erica kind of defined it, like for medical professionals, it's like a a positive to come out of this because clearly not enough existed before, (laughs) before we were hit with, you know, um, the, the stress of the last of the pandemic. And, um, it's interesting, you know, like in the beginning we had some quote unquote pandemic conversations on this, on the show, but now we're like, it's sort of become this weird part of life because it's been so long. And I don't think anybody could have imagined. I don't think we did certainly. And then we're like, yeah, now there's going to be a vaccine. And now there's like, new levels of complication with that too. And I'm curious, like, you're an uh, emergency medicine physician in Florida. Like, do you ever find yourself, um, I don't know, frustrated? Like, do you guys have to do triage? I'm kind of curious as to like, I, I, you know, we hear these reports about ICUs being full in some areas, in a lot of areas still, and, um, and now a pandemic with unvaccinated folks. And so it continues for our medical professionals too. And I know that seeps into the emergency room. Cause that's where people go the first stop regardless. But then it's like, how do you now deal with, wow, I have a full ER And I have folks that are coming or with bad COVID. I don't know. I mean, is that where they come to the emergency room, that first stop? And then also maybe I have a car, someone who is just in a car accident and someone who's, you know, I don't know what, whatever it might be. Like, how do you, how do you juggle that? Is, is it, has it been a situation where you've had to do triage? And what is that experience like?
2: So in the emergency room, we are constantly doing triage, right, because time is of the essence for a really sick patient. And so you'll find, and I I did a video on on my YouTube channel about, like, why am I waiting so long to receive? And in that, it kind of gives you a little bit of background in terms of how the emergency department works. Unlike your primary care doctor's office or even urgent care, you do not get seen in order of um, arrival to the emergency department. So you could be waiting five hours. If somebody with bad COVID comes in and they can't breathe, they're jumping the line and going straight back. And I'm going to see them right away. And that's just how the emergency department works. So you have been there for five hours with stable vital signs and you know, you're, you're okay. You may wait for an additional couple of hours as we take care of these other patients that are sicker. So that's number one. Number two is... I can only take care of the person in front of me. So I can only take care of one person at a time, right? I can try to take care of you as quickly as I possibly can so I can move on to the next person, right? Similar to what I said before, I need to give whoever's in front of me my undivided attention. I need to listen to them. My head needs to be cleared of, you know, Everything. I mean, granted, if you guys ever been in the emergency department dealing with the doctor, they could be talking to you and then every two seconds are getting a phone call. And so that kind of like interrupts that, like, let me focus on you. Um, but, you know, on the whole, that's what we try. We try to focus on the patient in front of us. Um, so, but triaging is something that happens every single day in the emergency department, even before COVID. If you're sick, if you come in and you're having a stroke, are you having a heart attack or you have some kind of some other limb threatening um, presentation that brought you in to see us? You are going to be seen first period. Um, so the question is, what happens if you have two really sick patients at the same time? You know, how do you manage that? Well, you, I mean, oftentimes it's, it's very rare for you to find them exactly the same. Um, so if they're not exactly the same, you choose the one that's a little bit sicker than the other. Right. Um, but then you, you, you dictate like, right to your, to your staff, you say, okay, I need my respiratory therapist to go into room two. I need you to, you know, give them some supplemental oxygen as I intubate room five. And then when I finish with the baby room five, then we'll swap. And then, you know, like, so so that's kind of how you do it. You just utilize your resources. Um, But truth be told, resources are limited. And so what you're seeing in the news is, you know, at some point we run out of beds, we run out of ventilators, you know, we just run out. And then what happens to those patients that are waiting when we no longer have any more beds? Well, they wait and they wait for longer periods of times. And so some emergency departments will be using um, called a, a, a lean area, like places that have a couple of chairs and just like circling people in and out through those chairs. So the, those chairs just so that we can see you and we can get blood work going for you. You go back to the waiting room because there's no place for you to be, you know in the back of the emergency department. So, you know, if the, if the hospitals are full and in Florida for several weeks, the hospitals were very full in like Orlando area. Like we were um, called black status, which meant that we were not having any surgeries. You know, it was only emergency, emergent surgeries that needed to save your life. Like any elective procedures were all canceled. The staff in the operating rooms were, were, were uh, moved to different areas of the hospital to help out in those areas. Um, and so, you know, at that point, you know, our ICUs were full, therefore, people were stuck in, you know licenses are full and the hospital beds are full right and so people were stuck in the emergency department and when our emergency department beds got full the people got stuck in the waiting room right and so um it's like a you know like a like think about like traffic there's a car accident right you can't keep moving forward so what happens traffic is built you guys are in California you guys understand right and so um so but yeah so so there would be like maybe couple chairs, maybe one bed that we will try to cycle patients in and out through, right? And so and some patients would get admitted to the hospital, but still be physically in the waiting room because there's no place for us to put you.
0: We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years, This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with red itchy bumps under my arms on top of feeling not confident at all that I did not smell. Milk and honey not only never once gave me those pesky red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after an intense spin and hit class. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. And for our local to Los Angeles listeners, Milk and Honey has the most amazing spa that just opened in Brentwood in West LA after being the go-to spa with multiple locations in Texas for so long. They offer facials, body treatments, massages, and so much more at their beautiful new space.
1: I recently had a massage at the Brentwood location, and it was a lovely experience. We are so happy that Milk and Honey Spas are now in LA. And of course, their online boutique is just the best if you aren't local. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body, Polish and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. Their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. If you want to try milk and honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We wanna take a quick break from this episode to tell you about our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring listeners and clients an all access accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your
0: personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual events, recipes, awesome giveaways, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become
1: a patron, visit patreon.com forward slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community.
0: It's so horrifying. And even like, it's like the traumas we've talked about that our medical professionals have to face. And then I think It's interesting because we're living in a time with so much misinformation Mm -hmm. and even within the medical community, right? So I guess like dealing with, because I have, um, I have someone very close to me who is a nurse in oncology, totally different than ER, but, but similar in the sense of, you know, lost patients has to deal with the trauma, but not in such a quick time, right? You lose a patient, you get to go home and process it and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, they were telling me that they're, you know, they're in ICU oncology and there are individuals on their unit who are choosing not to get vaccinated for instance how do you deal with that added layer? Cause it's hard as like an individual human, right? Like I'm not medicine, but to deal like, I'm just gonna be real. If you're not getting vaccinated, I'm I, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily want a relationship with you in my human life. Right. Um, just because you don't trust science, right. It, it depends. I also know some people who actually can't get vaccinated for medical reasons, but, um, How then is there like that added layer of trauma? I feel like people can relate to this, right? Um, Whether or not you're in it or out of it, but, but to then deal with your colleagues who are dealing with life and death and they're not trusting science or they're believing misinformation that must be adding a different element to than maybe previously didn't exist right? I I don't even know what my question is, but I guess it's like, I imagine it's a different layer, even just hearing someone I'm close to talk about their colleagues who choose not to get vaccinated because they don't trust the vaccine, but then are literally dealing with people who are dying and have no immune system on their unit. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to swallow a little bit. So
2: that question is a couple layers. So if we start with patients, um, as an emergency room physician, I take care of every single patient, right? Whether you have insurance or don't have insurance, whether you've been vaccinated or not. I can't, I'm not gonna turn you away. I can't turn your way, right? Legally, I cannot turn your way. So, you know, what I can say is there is a clear difference in terms of presentation to the emergency department between patients who are vaccinated and unvaccinated. Being vaccinated does not mean you can't get COVID. There are patients, I think that was one of the misinformation that was initially put out there. Oh, if you get vaccinated, then um, you're not going to get COVID. That's not true. You can still be vaccinated and you can still get COVID. But from my experience, my day-to-day experience, when oftentimes when those patients get COVID, They are not as sick as the patients who were never vaccinated and got COVID time and time again. And so one of the things that I thought was really interesting was, um, I clearly remember there was a shift, you know, Florida, right? There's tons of patients coming with COVID, COVID. And I took care of a mother of, I think she had like three or four children, young children, right? Unvaccinated in her 30s, and I took care of an elderly patient in her 80s who was vaccinated, right? And so, you know, in the beginning, it was like, oh, if you're elderly, then you have increased risk of, you know, morbidity, mortality, um, you know, because of COVID, right? And so, we're concerned about the elderly patients dying from getting COVID. And so, and I, and it's true, right? If you get COVID and you're not vaccinating your elderly, you know, yeah, it's a very, very high likelihood that you're not going to have a good outcome. Very good, very high likelihood. But this was, you know, so elderly, 80-year-old vaccinated, 30-year-old unvaccinated. The 30-year-old came in and oxygen levels, normal oxygen levels is between 95 and 100% on room air. So no supplemental, nothing, right? My 80 year old was doing great. Did not need supplemental oxygen at all. I actually did end up admitting her because she needed a cardiac workup. It wasn't because of her COVID status. My 30 something year old was having a hard time breathing and her oxygen levels were in the 60s. Unvaccinated. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. I mean, you're amazing. That's why, like, I admire, because I feel like you, that's why you are superheroes because you have to transcend, right? You're like, I'm going to treat who, like, you know, like you care about every single person who comes in and not that I don't care. Like I'm, but I think because I, you know, I'm, I'm not in a line of work where I don't have to be emotional about like how dare you not get vaccinated and put people I love at risk, right? Like it's um, but yeah, it just it it it's making me emotional to listen to because it's like you guys really are the superheroes, and us laymen, you know, us like members of society who rely on medical workers when we get sick. It's like the least we can do is is get a jab in our arm. To do our part, right? So, I just—it's like emotional to listen to you because it's really just incredible. And um yeah, I, I think it does take like like you are a superhero, like a superhero type person to to do this. Yeah.
1: Well, I feel like that's a good segue into like the the doctor care now because, and thank you for sharing your clinical sort of experiences. I do think it's enlightening to hear that from someone who is on the front line. Um, but even though we might like have this reverence for folks like you, physicians, like you, medical professionals who are working, it, it has been harrowing going back and it is exhausting and you have ways that you've learned to process it. Um, but at a certain point, like what, how do you, when you're working with other medical professionals in the community. Cause even though you guys might seem like superheroes to us, as we said earlier, you're human, you need care yourself. And also you can get sick, like, and then you can't do your job too. And then other people are like even further at risk because they don't have the, the resources available to them because, you know, we saw this in the beginning with doctors being getting so sick because they were on the front lines and and nurses and you know, other, other, uh, healthcare workers. So I know from conversations we've had and from friends that we have who are also physicians that even just like pandemic aside, the lifestyle of being a physician. And I imagine being an emergency physician, especially is not even really conducive to like feeling like you're supporting your health in the best way. Something like you mentioned sleep, right? Not only just like the psychological aspects of what you're dealing with, but the overnight shifts or the really random, like long shifts, 12 hour shifts sometimes, if not longer. Um, And meals, like being able to sit down and eat a meal, you know, the basic things that yeah. keep us going as humans and fuel us just on like the most baseline level, not even on like the emotional and the the mental, but even just like on a physical level, like taking care of, of yourself. So like we expect our, you know, our system doesn't really support that sometimes where our doctor is like, Aren't getting enough sleep or have to work crazy hours through the night or like don't have time to eat. So they have to like live on caffeine or whatever it might be. And um so I guess how do you just like on that basic level, have you figured out a way to not let it deteriorate like that kind of life and constantly giving to other people too? Like not let it deteriorate the way you're able to take care of yourself
2: you guys ask such wonderful questions. Thanks. So, um, you know, that is definitely an area that still needs improvement. 100%. Um, you know, one of the models in medicine is sleep when you can eat when you can. Right. And that just implies that, um, as normally you don't, have a lot of time to eat and sleep In the emergency department. We don't need a lunch break as the physicians. We don't get a lunch break. You know, I know like the, the nursing staff, they actually do get a lunch break oftentimes. Um, you know, sometimes the ED is too busy and they're not able to, but we don't have like a structured, you know, when I worked in re- retail before going through, um, school, I would get my 30 minute lunch break, right? I would clock out, I'm going on break and then go sit and eat or whatever I want to do. That does not happen in the emergency department. Um, I know other physicians may be able to structure their, their days where they are maybe able to incorporate like a, a break, but unless you have coverage for yourself in the emergency department, it's very hard to, take a break, right? Unless there's like two docs on maybe. um, And you can say, Hey, you know, second doc, I'm going to go eat real quick. That doesn't happen all that often, even if there's two docs on, but you know, that would be one of the things like, Oh, keep an eye on these patients for me just in case something happens or whatnot. So even peeing, I myself personally have gone through numerous shifts where I never peed not once, not once right and sometimes I would force myself to go pee if I'm about to do a procedure that I was like, oh this may be a little tricky and then I feel like my bladder full I was like you know what I'm gonna go pee real quick you know but many a times you just don't have time you just don't have time and again, that is something that needs to be improved upon. but I have I've gone through shifts where I have not eaten anything um, and sometimes you don't even think about food right you're so busy. That you're not to think about it. And that's not healthy. Um, but that's the reality of the situation. And then, you know, in terms of emergency medicine, it's it's it shift work, but we don't oftentimes, unless you're lucky, unless you've been doing this for a long time or you're like in administration, you don't have a set schedule. And so, you know, so if you work at a hospital that has like three shifts, like early morning, afternoon, overnights. You could be working morning for two days, afternoon for one, three overnights. You know, flip flop and all that jazz, which also affects your circadian rhythm and your sleep schedule and all of all of that jazz. So, um, there are things that um, admin can do to help, right? Um, you know, one of which is the ED doesn't close, right. Or open 24 seven is to allow for some double coverage, uh, so that people can, and, and to encourage people to take breaks. Right. So, you know, um, similar to how they do with, with some of the nursings, they have to take a break. They should make it so that we have to take a break. Right. Even if it's 30 minutes, you have your, 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 the second doc is on, go take your break you have 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, go take a break. That doc will cover your patients for that period of time. And then vice versa. That's the easy fix, you know, to that. Uh, number two, in terms of like shifts, if, if we're going to have these rotating shifts, then make it so that, you know, you work for, you know, mornings for X period of time, then use transition from mornings to afternoons for X period of time, then you transition from afternoons to overnights for X period of time. And then you flip back, you know, you have a couple of days off or whatever. You know, the, those are the easy, slow hanging fruit solutions to some of these issues that unfortunately are not happening still. Um, so those are some of the things that Hope for Med, you know, we'll be, we'll be tackling Um, you know, in terms of just really putting a focus on our, our wellness, right? Because for so long, we're your healthcare professional, right? Don't you want us to be well-rested? Don't you want us to be thinking straight, you know, decreasing mistakes that happen, right? Because we're human and humans do make mistakes, right? But if you know, their heads are on their shoulders. They're well-rested. They're not thinking about, you know, being hungry. They're not thinking about, oh, should I have to pee, but I can't, you know, like let's quickly go through this conversation. you know, like, if, if, if these things are in place where our wellness is prioritized, we will be able to give better care. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: And yes, as a patient, I want my doctor to be rested and bed and you know bladder bladder like emptied you know what I mean because but not
2: too full because the too full you get sleepy
1: yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) just the nice you know balanced meal (laughs) so that their energy is good yeah Yeah. of course so can you tell us a little bit about Hope for Med
2: yeah so you know Hope for Med again it was this company that was birthed out of my brain um in November of last year. So it hasn't quite been a year yet. Um, but it's come so far. Um, so essentially the the reason why Hope for Men was created was was based off of some of the things that we've talked about already, right? Um, you know, back to my residency days, being like, what in the world? So Hope for Men was needed even before COVID. You know, this is a company that was needed for all healthcare professionals prior to this pandemic that we're still in, and now it's needed even more. Prior to COVID, you know, we we talked about The the daily stresses of our of our jobs, but one of the things that we we highlighted just for half a second was you know mental health and suicide. Suicide is a big issue amongst healthcare professionals, and unfortunately, those numbers are not known for a lot of different specialties in medicine. But if we take physicians, because that number has kind of been out there and it's kind of been staying the same for a very long time approximately 300 to 400 physicians die by suicide a year. These were pre-COVID numbers. This was before we were dealing with death and dying and feeling so helpless, you know, because we ran out of resources and we, I, I have to physically sit here and watch you die, or, you know, I intubate you, and I've been trying not to intubate you because I know that if you go down the path of intubation, it increases your risk of dying exponentially, right? And so before you were dealing with all that, the numbers were three hundred to four hundred. Now you add this on there, and my my concern, which is why you know I really wanted to get the message of hope for men out there at asap, was because my my fear is that without resources without a way for, for healthcare professionals to release, really to process everything they've gone through, those numbers can rise. And we already don't have enough healthcare professionals as is, right? And we're not even talking about burnout. I'm not even talking about, we're talking about death. I'm not talking about people leaving the profession because that's another thing that Hope for Med and you know the goal for med is to really fight that because we came into medicine not to leave, right? All of us were very excited. We were—I remember myself, like when I got my my um, acceptance into medical school, I was so excited. It was like the best day of my life, and I was running around telling everybody that they can call me doctor. I was like, you can call me doctor, you know. Um, and you go into medical school and you go into you know, the health professional schools and you're so excited. You have so much life. You know, you're you're ready to change the world and you leave it a little jaded, right? And then you get more jaded and more jaded as time goes on. And, you know, that slowly nicks away at you, right? And so that you're not, you end up leaving medicine, not when you're the ripe old age of retirement, whatever age that is for, you know, for individuals, but before so, right? They're like, I'm not doing this anymore. No, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought I was getting myself into, you know, for numerous reasons. Um, And I'm going to do something else. And so, you know, when we think about one of the things I had mentioned before in terms of hospitals get full, so another thing i talked about in that in that same video uh, why am i waiting so long to be seen hospitals get full for two two reasons one is the beds are full like literally all the beds that we have are full but the second reason is staffing all the beds we are capable of staffing are full so you could have a floor with 50 beds on it but if we don't have staff to take care of those 50 beds, the hospital's full. Because we're not gonna put you on a bed without somebody there to take care of you. So, you know, these are the two things that Hope for Med is is was created to really try to um, help and intervene upon, right? Like I, I'm not idealistic thinking that I could save every single person, but truth be told, if Hope for Med helps one person it's
1: worth it. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and our audience about that. And, um, if there's any doctors that listen to our podcast too, I know there's medical professionals and, um, I just, I hope if they need it, they can find you and the resources that you have been building. And I think it's also just really good for people who aren't, um, in the medical field and in healthcare to have awareness about. I think it's really important for that too. So thank you for sharing all that with us today and your insight and your experiences. And as we, um, wrap up, we always ask our guests three wrap up questions. And so the first one we've touched on a little bit, but I'd love to get a little bit more specific. And it's, you know, you are a mom of two, you are an emergency room, um, physician. You also now hope have hope for med, So you're an entrepreneur. And how do you take care of yourself? Like what are your daily self-care practices? And do you have any non-negotiables in your day?
2: Well, I have picked up a practice of exercising. <laughs> and so that's one of the things that I, I do. I wake up early in the morning and just go for a walk. It's me, you know, like I'm not a big runner. I've never been a big runner. I try to kid myself that I'm going to run, but I don't like, but, you know, but walking and just being out in nature is amazing, really, you know, and starting off my day like that before the kids wake up, my husband's sleeping. It's just my private time to be by myself, to be out in nature and, you know, and just be. Um, so that's one of the things that I do on a daily basis. Um, but as a mom, it's, it's, it's a juggling act, right? And some days you feel like you do a better job of it than others. But again, that goes to being human. I'm completely human. Right. And, um, and I just try to make sure that my kids know that, mommy loves them, even if mommy's not with them, you know, and mommy can't be by their side you know, when they want her by their side, but when I am available to give them my undivided attention, really, you know, make a minute feel like a million hours is really my intention every day because time is limited and I am stretching myself between working and, you know, running this business and, you know, being a parent, um, and also engaging in self-compassion. I think that's really important because so easy, it's too easy for us to just beat ourselves up and, you know, list out this 10 page document of all the things that we should have done today. Meanwhile, you know, there's not even enough time in the day to do all these 10,000 things that you wanted, right? And just knowing that it's okay. It's okay. If you you know, had these great aspirations for today and you weren't able to do not even one of them, it's okay. There's always tomorrow, you know, and you can get to it at whatever point, but, you know, just feeling like, you know what, I'm going to express some, show some self-compassion and just let it go and try again tomorrow.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Our next question is what does being courageous
2: mean to you? so for me being courageous is standing up even when you know that it's going to be hard I know it's so easy for us to go you know take the the downhill path right you just you know ride that bike downhill it's so fun but going uphill you know, and you don't even know what obstacles you're going to find yourself, what big rocks you're going to have to maneuver through. And you're going uphill, you know, but, you know, or taking the path that, um, are creating a path for yourself where there's never been a path. Right. Um, and just really, you know, saying, well, because I can think it, I can do it, you know, like the tutu train, I think I can, I think I can. Um, and you know, just taking it one step at a time. Thank you.
1: And then our final question is, do you have any um, book recommendations, uh, anything that's just meant something to you? It doesn't have to be in medicine or um, that's been like a good resource resource for you or just something that's meant something to you. It could be a novel, (laughs) but um, anything you would refer to
2: our audience? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, one of the the um, poems that I've always really loved loved um, is that poem "Phenomenal Woman." Um are you guys familiar with that poem? Yeah. And it's just so powerful. Um, and it's something that I, I, I I go back to, you know, anytime that I start like doubting myself or my abilities or my skills or whatever, I say, I'm a phenomenal woman. And it really just gives me strength to take that next step.
1: Thank you. That's beautiful. And, um, thank you for having this conversation with us today. So if anyone wants to find you, follow you on the internet, um, work with you or, or listen to your podcast, you know, all those things, where can they do that?
2: So one way where I can find everything that I'm doing is on the, my YouTube channel. So, uh, Dr. JB, so it's Dr. period J B. Um, if you get to my YouTube channel, you'll see everything. You'll see the stuff for Hope for Med that I'm doing and the podcast that I've been recorded that you'll be able to hear them there. And then you'll see the videos, the one that I'm referring to throughout this podcast is there as well as some other ones that I've done. Um, and I also have links to all my social media accounts through there.
1: Well, thank you so much again. We've really enjoyed having you today. We appreciate your time and your knowledge. And coming on,
2: thank you. Can I add one more thing? Of course. So, hope for med is for healthcare professionals. It's not just for doctors, but it's for nurses. It's for um, respiratory therapists, physical therapists, occupational like um, healthcare professionals who have medical licenses that they can lose. That's what it focuses on even pharmacists because. I'm an emergency room physician who created Hope for Med. And I was reflecting on my day-to-day experiences. And I've, you know, realized that there are some places that I've worked where I've been the only physician working there. But who was on my team? Right? My team consisted of nurses, respiratory therapists, physical therapists, and whatnot. And so that's why when I created Hope for Med, it really focuses on everyone and their loved ones because sometimes the the healthcare professional maybe they don't have enough words to really explain their day to day but you know the podcast is available so listen to the podcast you hear people's stories and their experiences that might allow you to really connect with your loved one who may be a healthcare professional a lot more closely
0: yeah no thank you for sharing that i i think it's so in alignment with what we do at courageous wellness and our mission here and yeah, I've already sent (laughs) to all of the nurses, doctors, uh, loved ones of those nurses and doctors. So thank you again for being such a great resource to all of those people. Thank you guys. Thank
2: you again for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week